When the resistance comes your way and you have to take the next journey alone, you have two options, take it or you don't. And the person who doesn't never makes a positive change and they're out of alignment with their higher purpose and the place they want to go. So you say you want to go somewhere. But will you actually do what it takes to get it done? Talking about it is not doing it. The only way to do it is by having actionable steps you take every single day. Affirming it in the mirror to yourself, to your friends, to your journal, it does nothing for you without steps being taken. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, The Gordai Podcast. I am your host, Justin Mahaley. I have a show that I'm very, very, very excited to get to you guys. I'm going to talk about men's mental health. I'm going to talk about the intrinsic nature of what is going on, the intricacies of how the brain is working. I don't want women to be turned off by this, though. There's a lot at play that can help both sexes continually progress and improve in our journey of oneness and love, acceptance, and community. Without further ado, let's get to the show. I'll see you inside. Um, okay, so women, I don't want you to turn away this podcast, say that it's not for me, because I think that this is an equally as important podcast for men as it is women, and I just have some stuff I'd like to chat with you about. From the guests that I just have on the show sitting across from me to some personal life experiences that I have, um, November being Men's Mental Health Month, it's a big deal, and I think it's very important to use your platform for things that you feel very strongly about, but are also educated in, and I believe this is the first time I've done a men's mental health issue of the Grow podcast because I haven't ever felt properly educated before now because of the people that get to sit across from me on this table, on this show, bringing value to you guys. So I've worked through a lot of my own mental health stuff. A quick summation, not that I need to provide a resume as I feel like all of us who are 30 years old have some traumas to work through. When I was between 12 and 14, my parents got divorced. Anyone who knows uh, that age and going through something so traumatic as your parents splitting, it kind of felt like um, the world was being ripped away from you. Divorce is really ugly, being pulled in a million different directions. And from that point, I found myself just completely rock bottom and feeling alone, um, isolated from the world, no skills to cope. And I tried therapy just didn't quite work for me because I wasn't sure how to communicate because I didn't even quite know what I was feeling. So um, fast forward, I kind of mask all of it in athletic endeavors and pursuits. And now 2021, 20, I'm not running track any longer at University of Cincinnati. So everything I buried those traumas into, they're now resurfacing. And I'm not quite sure what my purpose is. Before that, I was an athlete. So I just had to show out my purpose was my team, which is my tribal group that I felt not alone with. And I realized I was never going to play competitive sports again, or so I thought. I then entered into a pretty narcissistic, abusive relationship with a woman. And around 22 is when that finally was able to break off, dissipated, gone out of the picture. Yet I had a lot of stuff to work through and recover with that situation. And unfortunately, again, I did not have the tools equipped at the time 
to be able to handle it. I didn't know which route to take. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know how to be vulnerable. I knew how to feel happiness. I knew how to feel anger. I knew how to feel arousal. I didn't really understand sadness. I didn't really understand hope. I didn't really understand anxiousness. I was just really mad and frustrated at the world about what had happened. And when you're young and impressionable and you have someone that you trust and have finally built a romantic bond with and it gets taken away from you, obviously very, very, very difficult. Um, a lot of nights crying, a lot of nights um, contemplating things that would you know, change the scope of my life. And as I've said before on the show, I've never quite been suicidal. I've definitely had thoughts. I've definitely felt things that I was like, hmm, that you know, would probably be a little bit easier to not live than to live another day. Yet that being said, my greatest sympathy is with people who have been in truly suicidal places. And if you're listening to this show right now, I'm proud of you for making out of that. I know that you're not alone. I know that I hear you. I see you. I value you. I appreciate you. And I, it's not just me. It's far bigger than me. There's many, many, many people who feel the same way about you. So, um, I equip myself to 27, burying everything into uh, my professional endeavors with Team Haley, um, with Iron Intellects, other involvements that I had, not understanding how to deal with success. I poured everything into that, became really, really good at bodybuilding coaching and fitness coaching. And um, I had great leadership qualities on the external, but internally I couldn't even lead myself. And obviously this transpired into things seeming to crumble around the time I was 27 or so. Um, there's a lot of phases you go through in life that I now look back and realize that they were just extreme times of resistance because I was growing at a rate that was outgrowing the people that I was around. And that doesn't mean I was outdoing them or better than them. It just simply means we were going different directions. And now I see a lot of them doing amazing things, building amazing success in their life. It makes me so happy. Yet at the time, I felt like they were weaponized against me because they knew me so well and had intel on me that doesn't really quite exist um, just because I was vulnerable with them. And um, so I lost some close friendships. I was in a bad romantic situation that I put myself in treating people not very well. And all of this gets put out online. So I remember being in Charleston, South Carolina, and there was a show. It was NPC uh, Universe. I had two clients competing in it. And at the time, I was still figuring out what to do with some sort of financial success that I had accrued. And I stayed in this really expensive hotel thinking that that would make up for it. And um, I realized that if anything, it just made it worse because I was there alone. My people weren't there with me. My people were staying across town. I was there by myself in that room, really lonely. And just getting kind of hated on a lot online. Some of it rightfully so, some of it probably a little bit too much, people thinking that they know more than they do. Yep. I remember walking across the street and it was another time in my life where I was like, you know what, it would just be really convenient if something happened right now to where I didn't have to see another day. And it's a tough place to be because as a 27-year-old man, it seemed like I had everything going for me. Um, I was somewhat accepted amongst uh, many female counterparts. I um, had professional success and respect in my industry, and people admired me. Yet, 
That was completely foolish. It was empty. But I did have the Grow or Die podcast. Um, I started it in March of that year, and it was doing quite well. So it gave me a sense of purpose, and being able to just chat with you guys has kind of been some therapy for me. So um, if you've made it this far and you've listened to the episodes, I believe this is going to be episode 322. I appreciate that. And I hope that you're along for the next 322 and the preceding 322 after that. Now, 30. Um, my current day and age, things that I've talked to you about recently on the show, um, went through an absolute atrocious eight-week span of late where I had some business partners who, I guess for lack of better terminology, just took advantage of me and my kindness and my success, leveraged it against me, and I've been able to now break away from that and, um, you know, in the healing process right now. But uh, my mental health definitely was not very good September, um, really all of October, it was pretty rough. Um, and again, I found myself circling back into the place of, hmm, it would just be really, really, really convenient if I didn't have to wake up again. Yet the podcast this time gave me more purpose because so many of you send such nice messages and um, tell me about the impact that this podcast has on you. And I want to always continue giving you the absolute best that I can because I believe that's what you guys deserve. And that's why I've been so vulnerable with you through as much as I possibly can be. Um, at this point, I think that it's extremely important to make a, a note. There's hope. Even when your brain tells you there isn't, there's hope that can be rooted in our ability to relinquish belief in ourselves. Even when the storm seems quite dense, the saying goes, the smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. Well, an easy life never made a resilient man. Um, for women listening to this as well, that's obviously interchangeable. And I appreciate you making it this far because now we're going to get into some nitty gritty that can apply to obviously anybody and everybody. Yep. I have a problem. And I'll cover that problem here in just a little bit. I want you to sit with that problem. I want you to think about that problem. And I want you to let me know what your thoughts about the problem that I am perceiving in my world experience um, when I share it with you. Before we start, I want you to know, you don't have to control your thoughts. You just simply have to stop letting them control you. And as humans, we don't do a very good job of this. Um, we want to be in control of everything, and that doesn't quite exist. I believe that that leads to a decrease in quality of life from really any standpoint that you can have, because life is going to happen with or without you being in control or being completely out of control. Life is going to happen. So we might as well control ourselves, our actions, our reactions. And the way that we're able to do that is equipping tools to weather the storm. Now, Here's the reality. You're a human being in the year 2023, or we're at the end of the year. So um, within 2024, this will still be getting a lot of plays, and obviously it still applies there. If we can equip tools to weather the storm, then we're going to be able to become a skilled sailor. Emotional intelligence is something I've chatted about before on the show. It can be increased by seeking out continual experience and knowledge from other skill sets. Now, coming up on the show... By the time this episode drops, as I'm recording this on November 10th, and I believe this is going to drop around November 14th or 15th, whatever that Wednesday is, um, there's some episodes that will be following this. One episode is with a, an absolute leader in the polyamory community. 
Another episode is with one of the most ironclad uh, monogamous individuals you could ever meet. And I think that's the beautiful thing of the show is when you come to this show, you're going to get a lot of life experiences from other people's skill sets and their experiences that you wouldn't be able to have previously. Um, I have a guest coming up who was homeless. I have, um, I've had guests on the show before that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I've had guests who are in prison or jail or whatever. And I want to continue cultivating that for you guys always. So when you come here, well, we can develop our emotional intelligence by simply coming open-minded and leaving well-equipped by respecting other people's skill sets, life experiences, and the things that they've gone through. Well, we're able to build up these skill sets that allows us to be more centered in our relationships with others, with self. In terms of our emotional intelligence development, there's three main stages. Number one, a person is introduced to a stimulus through which they're supposed to understand the emotional reference being attached. The second stage being able to use the emotions that you have understood. And this part of the emotional intelligence development process enables individuals to perceive emotions, apply them. They're able to figure out patterns and attitudes that relate to different emotions and thus are able to identify how to put them to use. So every emotion that you feel, it's a powerful one. Things that can make you feel things is a human trait that most mammals don't get to experience. The third stage is being able to manage emotions effectively. And this is where a lot of people, but not active grower I podcast listeners fall off. They get triggered. They get angry. They get mad. They let their opinion be known. Yet their opinion doesn't matter because when you're triggered about something, it's an internal reflection of you that is showing an insecurity you have within yourself. So your opinion on the matter is coming from a place of you not being healed rather than a place of you not agreeing with the person who triggered you. Emotional intelligence can ensure that our triggers turn into some of our greatest strengths. And that is when we start playing on a different playing field. Shout about the amygdala. Trigger point of emotion and arousal has been discussed on a show before. It's the prefrontal cortex that helps in reasoning, inhibition, decision-making, but the amygdala can be hijacked whenever a threat is detected. And this region takes over the brain, leading to chronic stress. But when developed through emotional intelligence, the prefrontal cortex can help regulate the emotion by inhibiting the amygdala's signals. A quote that I love by Alex Karras. It takes more courage to reveal insecurities than to hide them, more strength to relate to people than to dominate them, more manhood to abide by thought-out principles rather than blind reflex. Toughness is in the soul and the spirit, not in muscles and an immature mind. To me, I think that's very important because mm, all of us are into fitness, working out, training, looking better, all of that stuff. Yet, how many people do you know the better they look, the further they seem to slip from a mental and an emotional standpoint. And when I say that, I'm speaking about my former self, who not all that long ago was just covering up insecurities, covering up mental ailments, because I just had to continue to look better. I am going to briefly interrupt this podcast to ask you to leave a five-star review and rating on whatever platform you're listening in. If you do this and screenshot and send it to the Grower Die Instagram page, you are going to be entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We're going to be picking people every other week. And listen, the show gets like 10, maybe 15 reviews per week. So your odds are going to be pretty high in there. So if you do that for me, it would be an amazing help. Let's get back to the show. Now, a way 
that men can continually ensure they have a safe space to share what they are experiencing for their mental health to have an outlet is by having men and women who are able to cultivate as such for you. I believe it's very important to have both energies, predominantly masculine, predominantly feminine, even though we all have each of them. I think it's very important to be able to lean on both of those to best understand the way that we are operating and to best know that we are not alone and we have trust and we have good people behind our back. Now, journaling practices, I think are very important as well. You need to cultivate the belief within yourself through the way that you continually show up for yourself. The lonely discomfort of being alone is one of the most important feelings, emotions that we can leverage as men because most men will never allow themselves to be alone. They will stay around in environments that are less than for them. They will stay in relationships that are not serving them. They will continually punch down to their peers to simply be a leader in the community rather than striving for more because striving for more means you have to walk that path alone. When the resistance comes your way and you have to take the next journey alone, you have two options, take it or you don't. And the person who doesn't never makes the positive change and they're out of alignment with their higher purpose and the place they want to go. So you say you want to go somewhere. But will you actually do what it takes to get it done? Talking about it is not doing it. The only way to do it is by having actionable steps you take every single day. Affirming it in the mirror to yourself, to your friends, to your journal, it does nothing for you without steps being taken. Listen to this stat. 40% of men have never spoken to anyone about their mental health. 29% of those who haven't done so say they are too embarrassed to speak about it. What in the world state are we in as a society where 29% of men feel embarrassed to say that they're struggling emotionally? We go back to the mental components of emotional intelligence and how important that is because men have been told to shy away from it, not to share it, hold it internally. And if we just continually complete tasks and raise up the workforce, then we are going to be well and end well and all will be even in the end. And that does not exist. If you are unwell and you continue achieving, you will feel further and further away from the destination that you actually have visualized until you turn internal and you start practicing putting yourself and your mental and the people who care for you before this servant of insecurity that you are masking your emotions behind. Three quarters of suicide deaths in the UK are men. Three quarters. That is so wildly one-sided. And my issue with it. Men need to have a mental health movement, but it's never going to pick up traction because they're the first to be blamed for any other social movement that occurs around the world in first world countries. They're a byproduct of capitalism or they're the ones running the patriarchy or they're the ones who are narcissistic or they're the ones who are eliciting emotional turmoil on other people or the men are the ones who are constantly responsible for everything going on and it's complete groupthink and manipulation to believe that to weaken the man. Men are doing the absolute best that they can as women are doing the absolute best that they can. But why do men never get a movement? 
three-quarters of the suicides in the UK are men. Why do men not get a movement? Why are men the first to always be blamed for everything? Whenever you are generalizing roughly 50% of the world or half of the binary genders that we have in the world, you are completely undermining and demoralizing society to a place where it is not possible to coexist because you are continually ramping up the negative emotions and the hostility that men who are struggling, who do not have access to help and nobody to listen to them will feel the world has turned on them. And that is not fair. Men need a movement too. And that might not be popular amongst everybody, but that's okay. Men need a movement too. The mental health crisis amongst men is terrible. We have, the, we have these ideologies that we must live up to. We must be tough. We must provide. We must all of these. And you can sit here and you can say that gender roles don't exist and they're going away. Where's the data? Where's the data that shows the inner workings of a man's head and how the brain operates to wrap its mind around the fact that gender roles don't exist because the last 10 years have changed things because the evolution of the male brain dates back hundreds and thousands of years. So if you think that a tiny, tiny, tiny little fraction of that is going to outweigh everything that came before that when we were just primal mates coming up, you are completely out of your mind. But those people probably aren't listening to this show. They'll just get a sound clip and go nuts over it without having any sort of intelligence as to what they're speaking about. Top five contributing factors to men's negative mental health. Number one, socioeconomic status. If this doesn't prove my point already, then men from lower socioeconomic backgrounds are at a higher risk of developing mental health disorders because they completely feel that they lack purpose and they are able to be replaced, replicated at any time as they haven't achieved the purpose of being able to provide. So how is that for your gender role dysphoria? Employments and occupational issues, men who experience employment and occupational issues are at a higher risk of developing mental health disorders. Stigma and lack of awareness, I already touched on this earlier. Trauma and adverse childhood experiences. Men who experience trauma and negative childhood experiences at a much higher risk of developing mental health disorders. And men are never taught how to communicate about these things. Men are never taught what they're actually feeling. Men are only taught anger. If you're a woman still listening to this, I appreciate you. I want you to think about if you brought a son into the world and the only emotion he's taught to handle his traumas is anger. That would have to hurt a little bit. Men who are listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You feel anger. And we're taught that at such a young age, it's probably the first thing that we're actually taught. I find that quite sad. And I find that we can definitely do better as humans. Number five is substance abuse, which has been talked about on the show previously. And I have an amazing episode with Mark Rector coming out very soon that will also dive deeper into this. Now, this is another item of events that I believe contributes very negatively to men's mental health disorders, and it's a cheap dopamine hit. So we need to understand the brain's reward system, how it works. Dopamine transmission is crucial for creating a state of motivation to seek reward. It should be released during rewarding experiences. Now, 
we can't just continually chase more and more and more highs. This is where addiction comes into play. So one strategy for managing dopamine-related cravings is mindfulness. The practice like meditation can help us focus on the present moment, reduce negative thoughts and emotions. If you're a bodybuilder who listens to this show, guess what the best way to not cheat on your diet is by being able to be mindful and tap into the present moment. Understand what you are working towards is much greater than where you're at right now. Exercise, extremely important for this. Being able to reduce negative thoughts through, again, being able to centrally align yourself. Obviously, a healthy diet is unbelievably important. Sleep, engaging in hobbies and activities, but socializing and having a strong group of friends that you feel aligned with, arguably, is the most important item here. There's contingency management. It's a strategy used to provide rewards for good behaviors. I love the delayed gratification. I love it. I swear by it. I'm habitual with it. Everything that I do operates on a delayed gratification basis due to contingency management. I don't want to feel like I have to earn things, but I do want to feel like once I achieve something that it was earned. My life isn't going to be a slave to the work, yet when the work is completed, I feel very purposeful. And when I feel very purposeful, I am able to better serve everyone who relies on me, anyone who cares about me. Yet more than anything, I am able to be the most aligned and self-aware version of Justin that I can possibly be. Delayed gratification helps me achieve this by continuing continually delaying the dopamine hit and reminding me through mindfulness to be here and now and that I need nothing more than self and my environment to be happy. That is a position of power. And you can get there as well. It took a lot of work for me to get there, a lot of rock bottom for me to get there. And yet I am in ever chasing more, more, and more, and more, because it is just a completely imperfect cycle that you will commonly slip into if you do not uphold those values and habits that got you here in the first place. Now, you guys know my thoughts on OnlyFans. You guys know my thoughts on dating apps. I believe emotional involvement with sports. I believe gambling. I believe any low-hanging fruit that everyone can have is reinforcing. Poor dopamine health spiraling us into the cycle of fulfilling our desire for success and purpose with these cheap hits, which can and will drive addiction. If we can just gamble 50 bucks, sign on to an app where you can see your dream woman nude, maybe chat with her if you spend a few bucks. If we yell at the TV on Saturday to relieve our inner demons that we're not able to work through, or maybe a Sunday. If you tell everybody that the quarterback sucks and that's why your life sucks. If you do anything that is low-hanging fruit rather than look internal, then it's going to be very difficult for us to get to a place of positive mental health. Yes, if you are overly emotionally invested in sports teams that you are not part of, you have some mental health things that need to be cleaned up. Why do you care? It doesn't matter if the quarterback throws for five touchdowns, no picks, and you win. It just simply does not matter to how your purpose on this earth is unfolding. Now, as a sports fan, I have my teams that I cheer for and root for, and I smile when they win, and I smile when they lose. 
took me a lot to get there. A lot of um, holes in the wall, toxic mas- masculinity from my teens and early 20s. A lot of crying tears when Ohio State would lose the football game and I was 9 or 10 or 11 years old, which, you know, fortunately, they didn't lose very often and they still don't. So maybe I am the one missing the mark here. Yet, if you feel investment into something that truly does not dictate you're here and now or your tomorrow, then you have fallen victim to an identity that is not aligned with the places that you can actually go. I am not saying there's anything wrong with sports. I absolutely love watching sports on the weekends when they're on. What there is something wrong with, my opinion, what woman worth being with wants to be with a man who's involved in OnlyFans, who's involved with gambling, who's involved with the low-hanging fruit that everyone can get. Because if everyone can have you, why would she want you? And no matter what you say, being accepted and desired by women has a massive play in men's purpose on earth and their mental health, whether you like it or not. You can deny the fact, I can look at your page, and I can guarantee you've never been accepted by women. Or you can accept the fact, and we can move forward together and realize it's okay for that to be very important for us. What can we do? What are some actionable steps? Well, number one, we can seek help. Let's chat with somebody. Whether it's a therapist, whether it's someone who you deem qualified because you simply feel better after you talk with them and you get the things out. Whatever your mode of unleashing the emotions and the mental health negative negative ramifications that are inside of your brain, however we can get them out, we're simply going to be better. Now, I made posts on Instagram about this before, a well-balanced diet with many minerals, vitamins, inflammation and stress low, this is going to be unbelievably important for us. Continue to reinforce and cultivate an environment around you that is positive for your mental health right now. What are the five things that you spend the most time on? And who are the five people that you hear the most? Maybe this is podcast, maybe this is friends, maybe this is whatever. Are all of these conducive for your mental well-being and personal self-improvement? And then the next one, self-assess and self-care. I've recently picked up the habit, the habit of flossing after the Curtis Crane episode, which has not been dropped by the time this one has come out. I was like, you know what? I just start flossing. Brush my teeth habitually. I'm a, kind of turning into a hygiene freak. And let me say, every single time that I do, I just feel way better than when I don't. It's little things like that. It's little things like the mindfulness when you're walking by the lake and you hear the ducks or the birds or the person swimming or whatever the case may be. Being connected to your environment as long as it's past the audit for it being a conducive environment will only help your mental well-being. So you've made it this far. One man to another man. I love you. I see you. Your life is valuable to me. Your life is valuable to others. I hope if the opportunity ever presents itself, that one day we can share a positive energetic exchange, a big hug, and we can have a conversation rooted in love and vulnerability. You guys, I'm always available to help 
in whatever capacity that I can. Stay strong. You are resilient. You are powerful beyond measure. We'll chat soon. Peace.